Welcome into the Rebound Rundown. Today is Friday, December 2nd, 2022. I'm your host, Paul Fritchner, and this is produced by Chatterbox Sports. This is your Daily Digest college basketball show where you can get your info on Cincinnati area college hoops every Monday through Friday in short episodes. If you enjoy the show, take a second, leave a rating and a review. I'd really appreciate it. I have an interview today with Ethan Bach, who covers West Virginia for West Virginia Sports Now to preview Saturday's Xavier West Virginia game. That interview is coming up in a minute. Last night for the second straight game, Northern Kentucky played a double overtime thriller at Truist Arena. This time it was against Youngstown State in the Horizon League opener, and the Norse won 77-73 after closing strong in the second overtime. Marquez Warwick was phenomenal again, scoring 30 points on 11 of 19 from the floor to power NKU. He now has 75 points. Yes, you heard me right. 75 points in the last two games. Xavier Rhodes had 15, Trayvon Faulkner had 14, and Sam Vinson added 13. The Penguins didn't help themselves taking care of the basketball. NKU took advantage of 24 Youngstown State turnovers and scored 27 points off of them. The Norse are back in action on Saturday at 6 against Robert Morris at home. And speaking of Robert Morris, the Colonials went into the Nutter Center as a 12.5-point underdog and ran away with the game, beating Wright State by 21, 80-59 in their opening game of Horizon League action. The Raiders led 32-30 with about five minutes left in the first half, but Robert Morris took care of business after that. Some days you're the bug and some days you're the windshield, and last night Wright State was absolutely the bug. Everyone has an off night, and that's what happened for Wright State on Wednesday. The Raiders play Youngstown State at 1 on Sunday at home. Let's turn our attention forward now to the weekend and hear from Ethan Bach about Xavier and West Virginia. I'm joined now by Ethan Bach from West Virginia Sports Now, also the Portal Report. Ethan, you're a Curtin student at West Virginia. You said you're in your third year there at the Mountaineers, but... One of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on today was I noticed in your Twitter profile you had 513 in your bio. I, You're a Cincinnati guy. You know the area. You know the Cincinnati-Xavier rivalry. And you know what this game on Saturday means to Bob Huggins. As much as he may not want to fully admit it, you know what this game means to him and what this game will mean to Xavier fans, too, in Cincinnati and, and everything around this city. So I'd like to get your thoughts first. You were in the press conference earlier today. As people listened to this, it would have been yesterday. But you have a clip from Bob Huggins that kind of has gone viral now in the last hour or so talking about Xavier. And you tweeted out that in the press conference, Bob Huggins said, quote, I don't have any good thoughts on Xavier whatsoever. So, Ethan... What was the vibe from Bob Huggins in this press conference and overall uh, what you got from his thoughts on the game? Yeah, so Bob Huggins, longtime Cincinnati head coach, obviously knows Crosstown Shootout very well. Uh, He talked about the rivalry between Cincinnati and Xavier for the most part, kind of his memories of coaching against Pete Gill and Skip Prosser, uh, just everything that he remembers from the Crosstown Shootout over coached the Centos Center since 2004. So that's in our factory. He's been coached there in almost 20 years. Um, so somebody asked him, are you looking forward to going back into the gym? And he said, why? So he's, <laughs> he's full in. He's full in on – he's committing on making this a rivalry game for himself and hopefully for the Xavier fans to buy in as well. 
sure. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that whatsoever. Uh, let's talk about this West Virginia team. Let's give people, uh, Xavier fans or people that are going to watch this game who haven't seen West Virginia play at all yet this year. They're 6-1 and one on the season. That one loss, a 12-point loss to Purdue, who was just a buzzsaw. Purdue, that game was out in Portland last weekend. 80-68 to 68 loss to Portland, other, or to Purdue, rather, in Portland. Otherwise, six wins on the season. The biggest win for West Virginia so far this year came over Florida in their last game out in Portland on Sunday. This West Virginia team plays better defense than they play on offense, but they can make shots. And this is a, a I don't want to say a trademark Bob Huggins team, but he has talked in the preseason about how he feels like this team kind of gets back to their roots of being a tough, grinded-out type of team. What is this West Virginia team, Ethan? Yeah, so Huggins this offseason wanted to emphasize getting up, getting back with the times in modern-day college basketball. Went out into the transfer portal, got four big names, Emmett Matthews from Washington, Eric Stevenson from South Carolina, Trey Mitchell from Texas, and Joe Toussaint from Iowa. Uh, Huggins just wanted to get guys that – would fit right into his program, wouldn't, ha wouldn't have to take any time developing them, wanted to get guys to knew how to get yelled at because when you get into college, these some of the kids just can't, they just aren't used to being yelled at. But, but these, four, these four guys that are coming in, they've all had coaches like Chris Beard, Fran McCaffrey, um, Eric Stevenson had Frank Martin, so he, they all have had yellers as coaches. So they're all used to it. So I feel like he's been able to get Transfer portal guys, as usual, junior college guys, couple high school uh, seniors, bring them into this team, and they're all bought in already, and it's December 1st. So I think that's big for Huggins. I think he's very happy with this team so far. Um, yeah, and I think going into Xavier, they have a lot of momentum to maybe possibly get a huge win on the road. You talk about a guy in Emmett Matthews who started his career at West Virginia and then transferred to Washington. He's from Washington and then transfers back to West Virginia. So how important has having a guy like Emmett Matthews been to West Virginia this year and having a guy, too, that has been around Bob Huggins and knows the team? It, it's huge. It's so huge. Huggins planned on bringing one guy back from the last team that played significant minutes in Kedrian Johnson. So when you bring back, back as well, that's, that's pretty much returning player. Even though he was gone for a year, he approved on a shot with Washington assistant Quincy Pondexter, who played in the NBA. Um, that was a big emphasis for Emmett over the one year that he was gone from West Virginia was improving his shot. So he comes back. Huggins Huggins knows what he's going to get out of Emmett, and Emmett knows what he's going to get out of Huggins. So it, it's a dynamic duo that works. Emmett is the heart of this team as well as Eric Stevenson. And, uh, yeah, every all the, all the underclassmen, they rally towards Emmett. Sure. And when you look at this Xavier team, you can look in the post. You can look at Zach Fremantle. You can look at Jack Nungeen. Jack Nungeen and Joe Toussaint familiar with each other from their time at Iowa. But when you look at the front court of Xavier, that's one of the Musketeers' biggest strengths. How do you think West Virginia stacks up in the front court? Yeah, so Trey Mitchell and Jimmy Bell will start at the front court against Xavier on Saturday. Um, those two handled Zach Eady as best as they could on th last Thursday against Purdue, as best as they could. Because Zach Eady, he's he's hard he's hard to stop. <laughs> you can't stop him. They tried their best. Um, I think I think Huggins was even 
happy a little times with the defense on Edie because he's 7-4. So going into the season, I questioned the front court just because you're bringing in a guy, Trey Mitchell, from Texas. He's more of an offensive player. You're bringing in a Juco and Jimmy Bell. Uh, came off the bench at St. Louis's first two years. So just bringing guys from different levels. I questioned the front court, but the front court's starting to develop, and I think it's it's way more of a Bob Huggins front court than it was last last season. This is not a press Virginia team that we have seen in the past. He's kind of gotten away from that style, but just because they're not in your grill for the whole 94 feet doesn't mean that this is not a tenacious Bob Huggins team. The defense is the 22nd ranked defense in the country. The offense is 39th. What makes this defense a little better than the offense this year? Yeah, I think the defense has been great so far this year because you have guys, the pressure on ball like Joe Toussaint, Kedrian Johnson, um, just gritty guards. Eric Stevenson as well, I'll throw him in there. Um, they just have they just have a lot of Huggins-type guys, athletic, bouncy, um, can get up to the rim with anybody. They're not, pre they're not pressing fully, but they will press – when they have to put pressure on uh, the opposing backcourt. And uh, yeah, I like the West Virginia defense so far. That was going to be one of the strengths going into this year, just on paper. And so far they're, they're developing well. But on the offensive side, Ethan, in all six wins, West Virginia has scored at least 75 points. And in four of the six wins, they've scored at least 81. This is a, a team that is capable of making shots, and Bob Huggins said that yesterday. He said it's it's nice to finally have a team that can make some shots. So offensively, what do you think this team does well? I think this team has just great chemistry. It sounds cliche, but all these guys are four-year, five-year seniors, and they're just they're all bought in. They just want to win. No offense to anybody on that team, but Trey Mitchell's probably probably the only one that has NBA draft potential, probably in the second round. So guys like Emmett Matthews, Eric Stevenson, I'll throw Trey Mitchell in there as well, Joe Toussaint. Those guys are just trying to win. They're just trying to they're just trying to win, have fun, have a competitive team this year, go to the tournament. And so that's why I think this offense works so well, is because there's nobody selfish on that team. They're all trying to get they're all trying to get an open shot for their teammate. Uh, Eric Stevenson and Emmett Matthews are both shooting over forty percent from three. So just that alone that alone is not canny of a Bob Huggins offense so just seeing that and then you add in Trey Mitchell who can score in the post as well this Mountaineer offense has been very surprising thus far Ethan one of the struggles for Xavier this year has been that perimeter defense and defending the three and you look at a guy like as you mentioned several times Eric Stevenson but you look at the guards and how well West Virginia is shooting from three this year 36 percent not as good as they're shooting inside the arc, though, 56%. That's good for 36th in the country. The three-point percentage at 36, that's 84th in the country, but still way above average. How do you think West Virginia can utilize that on Saturday? Yeah, what to do is just if they, can, if they can get Xavier to turn over the ball and they run in transition for an open three, they're going to make it. That's That's been the strength of their th uh, perimeter offense this season is their defense causing turnovers, getting in transition, having numbers to their advantage, and then pulling up from three. Stevenson, particularly, just pulling up from three and just having a wide-open shot. Um, also, second chance points is very huge for West Virginia this season. Uh, just getting an offensive rebound, getting an extra possession, kicking it out for three. So if Xavier doesn't guard West Virginia in the perimeter, there could be issues for the Musketeers. 
Last question for you here, Ethan. Six of the top seven most important players from Ken Palm, if you look down the list on West Virginia's roster, six of the top seven are all seniors. So you have an experienced team that's going to go on the road, go to the Cintas Center, and try and pick up a huge win in the non-conference season. How much do you think that experience plays into this team and how much do you think that this win could mean for a West Virginia team like this, and for Bob Huggins too, as much as he might not want to admit it, to go back to Cintas and take an experienced team like this and try to get a road win? Yeah, so this is West Virginia's second true road game this season. First game was uh, first week against Pitt, blew them out by 29. Uh, just It was another opportunity for West Virginia just to show nationally how they improved over the offseason, who they got in the transfer portal. Um, just showing that Bob Huggins is getting with the times, getting with the modern era of college athletics. So this win would be huge uh, for the program, especially this season, coming off of last place in the Big 12 last year. Uh, Bob Huggins and his team could really use a true road win against a good Xavier team this year. Well, Ethan, as a current West Virginia student yourself and as somebody that grew up rooting for UC, I have a feeling I know who you're going to be rooting for on Saturday afternoon, but I appreciate you taking the time to come on here and talk with me about West Virginia and the Mountaineers and, uh, and their prospects for this game. I think that this will be a great game, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be a close game. I think Centos Center is going to be rocking just – because of Huggins and plus the Cintas Center always shows up. I know Xavier fans are going to be loud. Yeah. Do you think the Cintas Center applauds or boos Bob Huggins? Oh, boos. And I hope they boo. I hope they boo. <laughs> just for the, just for just to bring back the rivalry. Just it, it's the it's it's the appetizer to to the crosstown shootout next week. So absolutely, Ethan, you're the man. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Paul. Thanks for having me on. It was funny, after we stopped recording yesterday, Ethan and I put the pieces together that we had both been out at the PK-85 last week in Portland, and we had both been at the Moda Center to watch Purdue and Gonzaga play their game against each other, and we were sitting pretty much next to each other for the entire second half of that game. Didn't even realize it. I reached out to him yesterday for the interview. He went viral on Twitter. A lot of people picked up that quote from Bob Huggins, and now... You got to hear his thoughts on the West Virginia game. He did tell me again after we stopped recording that he feels like West Virginia is really flying under the radar this year, not catching as many people's attention as maybe they should be. That's something to keep an eye on this weekend on Saturday night. Let's look around the rest of the area. Cincinnati is home on Sunday against Bryant with tip-off set for noon at Fifth Third Arena. I mentioned yesterday that the Bearcats will be playing the 6-1 Bulldogs who feature Doug Eddard, the mustached man that helped lead St. Peter's to the Elite Eight last year. Bryant did just notch a one-point win over a mediocre Syracuse team at the Carrier Dome. Bryant is a horrific defensive team, especially when trying to guard the perimeter. So this sets up well for another game where Landers Nolly or David Julius could knock down a handful of threes. Bryant is a pretty good offensive team. They've scored at least 73 points in every game and at least 89 in four of their seven games. This is Cincinnati's last tune-up before the Crosstown shootout next Saturday. Dayton plays southeastern Louisiana at home on Saturday at 2 as the Flyers look to go to 5-4 and four on the season. The Lions are coming off a loss to Xavier on Wednesday night, and Dayton is projected to win this one by 20. The game looming, though, for Dayton is next Wednesday at Virginia Tech. 
as the Flyers try to right the ship on their season. Miami Redhawks play Indiana State at 1 o'clock on Saturday afternoon at home. Miami has been one of the worst defensive teams in the country to start the season, 338th out of 363 teams. This is a projected five-point win for Indiana State, who's coming off a two-point win over a solid Drake team. The Sycamores are 7-1 and one on the year, and the Red Hawks are 3-4. and four. Kentucky is finally playing in the Basketball Hall of Fame Showcase in London on Sunday against Michigan at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on ABC. This game has been postponed since December of 2020 because of COVID, but the Wildcats and the Wolverines are making it happen across the pond on Sunday afternoon at the O2 Arena. Michigan is coming off that narrow two-point loss to Virginia on Tuesday night, a game that I'm sure a lot of Michigan fans would tell you they felt like the Wolverines should have won. Michigan is 5-2 with their other loss being a 25-point blowout at the hands of Arizona State in the Legends Classic Championship game. Michigan's looking for their first true resume-building win of the season, and they can get that in London on Sunday. If you want to hear more about Kentucky and the struggles they've had to start the year, I'd suggest going back and listening to Wednesday's episode with Barstool Riggs. He broke down everything you need to know about the Wildcats and where they stand. Time now for some national nuggets. Number seven, Creighton played number two, Texas, in the best game of the night last night. And it was the Longhorns who got it done at home in Austin, 72-67. to Creighton, a team that has always been known to shoot the ball exceptionally well, started the game one for 22 from three. The Blue Jays made three threes down the stretch to give Texas a scare, but the Longhorns were just too much. The job Chris Beard is doing down there to build that program is incredible, and he has Texas sitting as the number one ranked team on Ken Palm right now with notable wins over Creighton and then, of course, that blowout over Gonzaga. In a shocker, number four Arizona lost handily at the hands of Utah, 81-66 in Salt Lake City. Got a text from a friend after the game that said, Arizona lost to a team who lost to Sam Houston by 10. I love college basketball. My wallet hates it, though. And that's about how you sum up this one. This was Arizona's first loss of the season. It was also their first game after the Maui Invitational. Maybe some jet lag there? Number 9, Kansas made easy work of Seton Hall, 91-65. to Number 8, UConn struggled at times in the second half, but still posted a double-digit home win over Big 12 opponent Oklahoma State, 74-64. to the Huskies are 9-0 on the season and are right there with Creighton at the top of the Big East. Looking ahead to this weekend around the country, Gonzaga plays Baylor tonight at 8 in a neutral site game in South Dakota at the Pentagon in a rematch of the 2021 National Championship game. You can watch that game on Peacock. Illinois also plays Maryland tonight at 9 on the Big Ten Network. On Saturday, Oklahoma travels to Philadelphia to play Villanova at the Wells Fargo Center at 12.30, and Wisconsin plays Marquette in a rivalry game at Fiserv Forum at 4.30. A sneaky one on Saturday to keep an eye on? St. Mary's playing number one Houston in Fort Worth at Dickey's Arena at 9.30 on ESPN2. Sunday features that Kentucky-Michigan game I just talked about, along with North Carolina going to Blacksburg to play Virginia Tech, and St. John's looking to stay undefeated with a trip to Ames, Iowa, to take on 6-1 Iowa State. That'll do it for today's Rebound Rundown. Between all of those college basketball games, the college football conference championship games, Saturday's World Cup match for the United States at 10 a.m., 
And Sunday's Bengals-Chiefs game at 425. This weekend is a sports fan's dream. Enjoy it, and I'll talk to you again on Monday.